Welcome to Brighton Road for this uh, morning service of worship. Delighted to see you here in the building. Thank you to, for joining us online. Can I just flag up next Sunday, we have a baptism service. Beth is getting baptised. Do come, uh, join with her in celebration. Pray for her and commend her to God as we, we celebrate what God has done in her life. And we look forward to having a life-changing encounter with God of our own. The prayer meeting at 10 o'clock will probably be in the chapel next week. If you're here for 10 o'clock, we pray for you. Uh, save a bit of space. So the prayer meeting at 10 o'clock next week will take place in the chapel. But we do come together and join in with rejoicing in Beth's baptism here next Sunday at half past 10. Our call to worship is on the screen. It's taken from Psalm 150. If I can invite you to respond, please, saying the words in yellow together. Praise the Lord! Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise to the Lord the Almighty, the King of creation. Let's stand. And we have breath, so let's praise him.
please be seated and let's pray. God of glory, we catch glimpses of you in the beauty of the universe. We encounter you in the love of our friends and families and here in this place amongst our brothers and sisters. We discover you in our joys and find that even in our pain you are faithful and true. We see you revealed to us in the scriptures. We hear you speaking to us in times of silence. We can know your indwelling in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And we find you above all in the person of Jesus, God with us. As we look at the events in our world, help us to see where you are at work. Hear our prayers as we ask for you to bring your light into those dark places. And in our homes and in our daily lives, not just here, but help us to live with our eyes wide open, to see your glory shining in the ordinary fabric of the everyday. Because you are the God who comes close to us. You are the God who is with us every single day until the end of the age. Surround us with the light of your presence and banish all darkness from our hearts and lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Wake up, sleepyhead. Rise from the dead and shine. Christ is giving you light. That's what Paul says in one of his letters. We're thinking today about sloth. The Bible has quite a bit to say about lazy people. But I just want to say I'm delighted that the Beatles picked up a Grammy this year for the best music video, Out of the Blue That, song inspired by the way in which they always had to wake John Lennon up in the afternoon to do any recording. It was said he was probably the laziest person in England. But I suspect that a few of us can identify with the words of the song, please don't shake me, no, don't wake me, leave me where I am, I'm only sleeping. Thank you, Raj. (laughs) The Bible has a dim view about laziness. Why won't a lazy person get out of bed and go outside? Is it because they are afraid that as a lion is in the street, he's going to attack them and eat them? All the lazy person wants to do is turn over in their bed. It's like a door opening and closing, it says in Proverbs. And some people, some people are so lazy they can't even be bothered to lift the food from their plates and put it in their mouths. And a lazy person will bore everyone to death with their own ignorant opinions because they think they are more intelligent than seven people who actually know what they're really talking about. Lazy people could learn a thing or two from the ants. The ants don't have a chief or a ruler to boss them around, but diligently, of their own accord, they work together all summer to store up food for the winter. But the lazy person just stays in bed, drifting off to sleep, 
twiddling their thumbs. And before they know it, poverty attacks them like an armed robber and steals all their stuff. All good sayings from Proverbs. So if, like me, you're sometimes prone to be a little bit lazy, pay attention to what Paul says. Don't be lazy, he says. Work hard. Serve the Lord with a heart full of devotion. And if, perhaps, you're just tired, Isaiah says, well, draw your strength from the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not become faint. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Let's stand and sing this together.
Amen. Youngsters, you are welcome to go upstairs to BRBK. Marion's going to switch hats now and leave the session upstairs for you. If you're staying here, do please be seated. But we can go, children and young people, welcome to go upstairs for BRBK. my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid when evil men advance against me to devour my flesh when my enemies and my foes attack me they will stumble and fall though an army besiege me my heart will not fear though war break out against me even then will I be confident one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may deliver, sorry, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Amen. His grace is limitless and his grace is enough. Let's stand and sing grace unmeasured, boundless, free. <coughs>
you are saved by grace through faith. And that's not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Saved by grace and created to walk in works of of good deeds, which God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 to 6, Paul says, We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light to shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And all around the world, people living for Jesus are making him known in a whole variety of ways. Last week was set aside as, as a day of prayer for BMS World Mission. We, we, we saw people around the world saying the Lord's Prayer and we joined in with them in that, but I said we'd hold over the prayers for BMS until today. And we're going to watch a slideshow, I'm going to introduce prayer topics and just invite you for a few moments at the end of each slide to pray quietly in your hearts for the people involved and for the issues that the slides raise. So, thank you. Day of Prayer 2024. Baptist World Mission is about having a heart for the Gospel. And we're asked to pray for villages in Cambodia. Propangrum, Vapus and Spesor. In these villages, an evangelism programme has started. Um, in two of these villages, churches have been established with memberships of 20 and 50 people, respectively. Let's pray for these new churches in rural Cambodia and pray that the gospel of God might be made known in them and through them. And we're asked to praise God for those who are responding to be trained as disciple-makers. And pray that BMS would be able to train 5,000 disciple-makers across the BMS World Mission Partners. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And there are people who are responding to that call. Pray that throughout the world, people will be discipled to follow Jesus through the work of BMS World Mission and here in this place as well. BMS is also about bringing hope for the world. And we're asked to pray for Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories, to pray for the church there, to pray about the ongoing conflict, the high number of casualties and fatalities every day. Praying for peace in every part of the country and for the growth and progress of spiritual service. It's a horrific situation, and news this week has been awful. Uh, And there doesn't seem to be any hope there. Uh, Pray that God would be there. He'd bring peace where there is violence, and there is hope to a right resolution. So just, I don't know how you're going to pray, but in the quietness of your hearts, lift 
uh, the, the, the war in Gaza and uh, the situation of the West Bank in Israel to him in your hearts in prayer. to pray as well for a village called Amdir in Mauritania. There's been a water shortage uh, because their well has collapsed. Just pray that a new well would be built and that the inhabitants of the village would gain access to a source of water. And again, BMS is involved there in terms of practical, essential needs for people. So pray for that work of bringing uh, hope to people who haven't got drinking water. And it's all about having help for the journey as well. Um, so we're asked to pray for forcibly displaced people who get stuck in refugee camps and similar settings, sometimes for years, sometimes for decades. Um, lift up those in your life, including yourself if appropriate, who feel stuck in their journey of faith. So pray for refugees in camps and for those who may feel stuck in their own walk of faith. And pray too that forcibly displaced people would receive physical, spiritual, emotional and social care to sustain them on their journey. And uh, pray that we too may be givers and receivers of this kind of care. Then gender justice is also on their radar. Praying for Asta Celesta, who works with Human Development and Community Services, BMS's partner in Nepal. Pray for her as she promotes maternal child health, uh, encourages educational attainment for girls, and implements empowerment projects for women and girls. Educating girls is, is the way to prosperity for many countries. Let's pray that this would be the case in Nepal. And we want to celebrate individuals with special needs who add value to our communities, remembering their intrinsic worth. And we're asked to pray for the Centre uh, for Children with Learning Differences run by the Lebanese Society for Education and Social Development, now known as Kimar. Uh, but children's lives precious to God, thanking God for the, the, those who work with them in Lebanon and praying for uh, their bless, God's blessing on that ministry. You receive one of these in my name, said Jesus. You receive me.
and then there's creation stewardship. Asked to pray for additional funding to scale up the agroforestry activities in Uganda. With over 100 households, they want to expand the tree growing with more households so that restoration can take place after damage done through tree cutting for charcoal. And our own supported mission worker, Genesis, is in Uganda doing this kind of work. So pray for him and for the welfare of, of the planet in that particular country today. thank God for creating us and giving us authority over creation. That's a weighty responsibility. We're convinced that environmental issues, re issues represent one of the greatest opportunities to demonstrate the love of Christ to the world. Pray that God would help us to be good administrators of the resources of creation, like the water that gives us life. And we just commit our planet to God. The past 12 months, records broken in terms of air temperatures, ocean temperatures. It's not been a good year. We are not being good stewards of the planet. Pray that we would make the necessary changes to enable us to do that. Lord, implant within us a love for your world and its people, the love that beats in your heart, the love that prompted you to send your son the love that prompts you to call us and send us out in your name to make Jesus known. Thank you for BMS World Mission. Hear our prayers for all who serve you faithfully around the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Serving God is costly. It takes its toll. Can be draining and exhausting and hard. We're going to listen to the reading from 1 Kings chapter 19 and uh, think about the price that Elijah was paying for serving God faithfully. 1 Kings 19, verses 1 to 14. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done <coughs> and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. <coughs> when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, 
What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I, I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, Forgive our foolish ways. Let's stand and sing together.
Mr. Sutis. So on Sunday mornings at the moment, we're working our way through the seven deadly sins. We thought about gluttony last week. We're thinking about sloth today. We have a break next week for best baptism, uh, but we'll pick it up again running up to Easter. The lazy person. The lazy person prefers to avoid work if they can. They may have the time and the capacity to do what needs to be done, but they lack the desire, the motivation, the will, the self-discipline to get off the couch and apply themselves. You look at Elijah, collapsed under the broom tree, and it's obvious he's in a bad place. He's had enough. It's all too much for him. He's handing his badge back to God and saying, I just don't want to do this anymore. I can't face it. Too much for me. So Elijah and the lazy person both, person both have this in common. They can't face what needs to be done. But they, they can't face the future for very different reasons. Um, Elijah would do what needs to be done if he could. Uh, but the lazy person could. They're just not prepared to. You look at Elijah's backstory, and it's clear that he's, he's not lazy, he's just burnt out. He's had this major confrontation with the prophets of Baal. And in the aftermath of that, his emotions have just fallen off the edge of the cliff. As the adrenaline subsides, he's just hit rock bottom. He's scared for his life as a result of Jezebel's threat to have him murdered. He runs away, heads off into the desert, leaving his servant behind. When we're low, we often shun the company of others, but it's never a good thing to isolate ourselves when we're feeling vulnerable and low. And despite God having used him in an immensely powerful way, he's overwhelmed by a sense of personal inadequacy and failure. I am no better than my father's, he tells God. I just want to die. He's exhausted, dehydrated and hungry. He sleeps solid, wakes up, has something to eat and drink and goes straight back to sleep again. That may sort out the physical reasons behind his lack of motivation, but inside he still feels utterly desolate and empty. All those years of dedicated, faithful service seem to have come to nothing in his eyes. What has he achieved? The nation has abandoned God's covenant broken down God's altars, murdered Elijah's colleagues. He's the only one left and they are intent on doing away with him. He feels that his life, his ministry has failure written all over it and he just wants to pack it in. It's not an accurate assessment of who he is or what he's achieved, but in the depths of depression, that's how he feels. Not that he doesn't care. The lazy person lacks motivation because they can't be bothered. Elijah's problem is that he cares too much. He's been jealous, very jealous, zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. He's been 100% loyal to his God and he's given everything and yet feels he has nothing to show for it. That's why he feels so devastated by the place he's in and the lack of results. But God knows and understands where he's at. 
That's why instead of rebuking him and giving him a good kicking, God gives him rest. Gives him food, water. We carried on reading the story, you would see God promises to send him Elisha, someone who will work alongside him to share the load and support him. His workload is limited to three specific tasks. A, B, C, this is what I want you to do next. God assures him that what he's done is not a complete waste of time. There are still 7,000 people in Israel who've not abandoned the Lord for the false god Baal. His ministry has not been a failure. In Elijah's case, his readiness to throw in the towel isn't laziness or sloth, he's depressed. That's why he feels useless, powerless and empty. He's burnt out. His lack of get up and go is a result of being pushed beyond his limits. And God understands that. Now, according to social psychologist Devon Price, laziness always has that kind of underlying emotional cause. He would go so far as to say, laziness doesn't exist. So we should go easy on ourselves and on other people when it comes to measuring output. What we perceive as laziness may actually be nothing other than an inner struggle with anxiety or ADHD or depression or any other form of mental health issue. So let's just let's be compassionate, okay? Let's recognise that laziness always has some hidden cause and so we, we can refrain from judging ourselves and others as well. And yes, as a pastor, I am all for showing compassion and looking behind people's behaviour to see what's making them tick or sometimes what's not making them tick and causing them to lose time. But when I read Price's words, in the back of my mind I can see Carl Menninger shaking his head in disapproval and disagreement. Menninger was a psychiatrist who back in the 70s wrote a book entitled Whatever Became of Sin? And there he expressed a concern that people's behaviour is no longer being viewed as sinful. He was concerned that sin, as a term, was being replaced with words like illness or disorder or dysfunction or some kind of syndrome. And wrong behaviour could all be attributed to a product of biochemistry or environment, experience, trauma, upbringing, situation. And he projected that the day would come when criminal activity <coughs> would be justified and, justified and minimised as a result of some medical abnormality for which one could not be held responsible. Looking at the news, looking at trends, you have to wonder whether that concern is justified. So laziness, is it a sin or a manifestation of some inner need that we, we need to minister to? Does the lazy person need a rebuke or do they need comforting and looking after? Let's be realistic here. Some of us just aren't very good at turning the calories we consume into energy. We have a low metabolism. That may simply be down to the genes you inherited from your parents or whatever hormones are coursing through your body at this particular time of life. And those are factors we cannot control. Sloths, the animals, have a very slow metabolic rate. They spend 15 hours a day asleep. They just about manage to move 40 yards during the other nine hours when they're awake. Some of you identify with that. Just the way they're wired. Some of us are a bit like that, they're not quite as bad. 
So when we see someone who's hyperactive and on the go all the time, we just feel guilty and inadequate. But those people have a high metabolism. They cannot sit still. They always need to be doing something. They're never happy unless they're on the go. And we may characterise the person with a low metabolism as lazy, or the person with a high metabolism as driven, but each of them is actually living life at the pace which is right for them. But both kinds of people are capable of laziness. Laziness kicks in as a sin when we shy away from responsibility. When we avoid what we could and should be doing because we find it easier to opt out and stay put and let someone else do it for us. And that might be daydreaming, looking out the window, or it might be filling your life with all sorts of other stuff so you don't have to do what really needs to be done. If we have the ability and we could find the time but we just don't want to pick up the baton, that is laziness. And we can end up then being the passive recipients of other people working hard for us on our behalf, looking after us rather than pulling our weight alongside them. If ever we develop the habit of expecting that what we need and what we want will be handed to us on a plate by somebody else, that is laziness, pure and simple. And make no mistake, there's something sinful about that. The life of the lazy person is a bit aimless and fruitless and often not particularly happy. Friends, every day we live is a gift from God. Every day is a day full of potential, a day to be lived to the full. If you want to make the most of each day, you would do well to include five ingredients that are recommended to students in Bath University, actually. Every day you should aim to create something. That's easy for those of us who are artistic. Those of us who are not, it might be creating something with, with uh, food, nice meal to eat, or something with words, or something with music, or something in the garden, but, but just be a bit creative. Make something that's good and worthwhile. <coughs> Make sure you move. Get out and about a bit. Learning is important. They have to slip that in because they're talking to students there. But broaden your mind. Acquire a new skill. Learn how to do something or read a good book. Connect with other people. That's really important. And do something to contribute, to make a positive difference towards somebody else. So it's create, move, learn, connect, contribute. It's all good advice. Make those things your aim each day this week and you will not be lazy. The idea that laziness is sinful is, is there in Proverbs, as we saw earlier in our service this morning. It was a monk called Evagrius Ponticus from Bithynia who got people thinking about laziness when he included it as one of the eight evil thoughts that would disturb and tempt and lure the monks away from their single-hearted devotion to God. He spoke of the demon of Asedia, which could make it seem as though the sun were moving slowly, or not really moving at all, so that the day would feel as if it was 50 hours long, and monks would feel fed up with where they were, with how they lived, with their work, with their fellow monks, particularly when their fellow monks didn't show the understanding and the compassion, and they weren't nice to them. Um, 
And this wasn't laziness so much as a sense of boredom, apathy, disillusionment, being fed up with everything in general and God in particular. And then the thinking of Thomas Aquinas, the sinfulness of acidia, lay in its capacity to make people prefer any kind of distraction to their relationship with God. In terms of the hard graft of praying and reading the Bible and connecting with God, I'd rather be doing anything than that. And I guess you could say that if acidia makes you value something more than God, then it is akin to a form of idolatry. God can and should be our greatest good. Anything that detracts from that, there's something wrong with it. So in a book entitled Reordered, Live, Reordered Loves, Reordered Lives, David Nagel talks about sloth as a distinctively spiritual or religious sin that demotes God's role in our lives and replaces him enthusiastically with other things. It's a sin of spiritual lethargy and dejection. When we are in the throes of spiritual lethargy, God bores us or seems insignificant. Whereas other loves capture our interest and attention. They excite and energise us. But our lack of love for God can make us spiritually lazy, morally negligent, and intellectually idle. Slothful people forget church, avoid scripture, refuse repentance, rarely pray, reject fellowship, don't witness, shun service, deride duty, rebuff suffering, scorn theology, evade thought or meditation, and in general are repulsed by religion and the religious life. And churchgoers are not immune to the slugger-bed sin of sloth. Seems to be one of the greatest transgressions in our culture of whatever. In general, sloth believes nothing, cares for nothing, seeks to know nothing, interferes with nothing, enjoys nothing, loves nothing, hates nothing, finds purpose in nothing, lives for nothing, and remains alive because there's nothing it would die for. And this specific God-focused understanding of sloth means it's not just about failing to make the most of each day and staying in bed instead of living our life to the full. It's about failing to live our life for God. And sloth or acidia, to give it its technical term, is anything which distracts you or pulls you away from your relationship with God. And your relationship with God is like any other relationship, actually. It needs investment from both sides, both parties, to flourish. On his side, God's commitment to you is 100%. He gave his son to die for you. And you can't get a greater level of commitment or love or dedication than that. But what about you? How are you responding? How much are you investing in your relationship with God? The more you invest, the more you get out of it. And it's about, sometimes it's about gritting your teeth and it's going gets hard and just pressing on with those daily disciplines of prayer and Bible study and serving others, the weekly routine of pitching up to church or house group or a prayer triplet. Sloth will try and persuade you that all that is just too much effort. And yes, there will be times when living for God is just plain hard work. But the way to beat sloth is to keep on living for God when the going gets tough.
to keep investing in that relationship, to do what needs to be done, even if your heart isn't in it at this point in time. So do you keep going when the going gets tough or not? And your answer could reveal whether sloth has got a toehold in your spiritual life or not. Jesus held nothing back when it came to giving his life for you. How do you respond to his call for you to live your life for him? Let's stand and sing together. My hope is built on nothing less. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son to atone for our sins. And friends, if that is how we, God loves us, then we also should love one another. 
become a blessing which we bless. So sharing together in the blood of Christ. The bread which we break, it's a sharing together in the body of Christ. So we who are many are all one body because we all share in the one loaf. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He laid down his life for us and we connect with that saving truth as we share in this bread and wine together this morning. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you held nothing back for us. Half-hearted and reluctant as we sometimes are, you love us wholeheartedly and passionately and deeply. And thank you that your grace covers our sins, our failures, our inadequacies. Thank you that it's while we were still sinners that you died for us. Thank you for taking the initiative and giving your life for us. Thank you for searching us out, for sending your Holy Spirit, for making yourself known. Thank you for, for making us part of this fellowship or whatever fellowship we belong to. Thank you for making something of our lives. When we were nobodies, you made us your people, your children. Entrusting to us the responsibility and the opportunity of living our lives for you. So thank you for saving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for binding yourself to us in a covenant which cannot be broken. A covenant sealed with nothing less than your own blood. Thank you that you look on us as your people. You claim us as your own. And here as we share this bread and wine, we say thank you, Lord, for being our God. Thank you, Christ, for being my saviour. Amen. We do this because on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, broke it, gave it to those who were with him and said, take, eat. This is my body. It's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you eat it. The body of Christ was given for you. Take the bread, eat it as a sign of your own personal faith in Christ, as a sign that you belong to him and to each other. Jesus welcomes you to this table and invites you to express whatever level of commitment you may have by eating the bread and honouring him as your Lord and Saviour as you do so. If you want to let the bread go by, just feel free, don't be embarrassed about that. But this is the body of Christ given freely for you. And Jesus invites you to eat by faith in remembrance of him. We eat the bread as we receive it.
After they'd eaten, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this as often as you drink it, in memory of me. New covenant that promises the forgiveness of sins. God making himself known to us. God writing his law on our hearts. God claiming us as his own. The relationship with God made possible through the death of Jesus. We celebrate that as we share in this wine together. We keep the cup so that we can drink together as a sign of our fellowship in Christ.
the blood of Christ was given for you. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord, that the past is covered and dealt with by your grace. It has no hold over us. Thank you for your promise that your grace will be enough for the future. And we put our trust in you. We commend to your grace those whom we love. Praying for a knowledge of your sustaining presence with them. Keep us in your grace, we pray. And enable us to live for your praise and glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> I chose you before the foundation of the world and called you to be his people and to live to bring glory to him. We close by singing Love Before the Dawn of Time. <coughs>
believe in grace, so let's share in the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.